unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Hello, boys and girls. It is Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place for the raw and scripted show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, your no excuses coach. And I'm excited about tonight's show. And you are at your place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Thank you guys for being here. We've been rocking this show now for about two and a half years. I'm super excited about that. And in case you always watch us here on the video cast, we appreciate you to go check out the podcast anywhere podcasts are sold. Or if you go to noexcusescoach.com, com forward slash shows you will see the events calendar and you'll be able to connect with uh, the podcast if you get them on itunes or spotify or iheart or whatever it might be go there check it out i think we're in about 10 countries now we're slowly getting out across the entire world i'm excited about that it's all authentic it's all congruent it's not paying for any advertising or anything else it's just about your word of mouth hearing the broadcast sitting there saying hey man i gotta share this with some people because it's some pretty kick-ass shit um we appreciate you guys being here whether you're live or on the replay i know a lot of you guys watch it on the replay appreciate you so much and as always make sure you go check out noexcusescoach.com because there's all sorts of new stuff going on there and uh, as you know all the time i gotta throw my plug in here because I believe in paying it forward. I believe in having a higher purpose, a bigger mission in life to make the world a better place for who you are and what you do. And right now there is no better time than to go to helphealhumanity.org, helphealhumanity.org, go check it out. I'm on the board of directors of it. I've been with this organization for a couple of years now. I've known the founder and the CEO, Serena Buffalino, now for over a couple of years. And she's an amazing, dynamic individual who is always going out there and making the world a better place, whether it's up there in her hometown of Hamilton, Ontario, doing feeding programs for the food insecure, whether it's going and speaking at schools and creating curriculum for uh, the kids in Maryland, like she just did with our president of the company, um, the organization, Alex, or if it's going and building schools in Haiti, one of the most devastating places on earth. I don't know if you guys have been and watching the news, but multiple earthquakes, their president was assassinated. And right now it's absolutely sheer bedlam. Uh, the gangs are taken over and it's just crazy chaos. But here's the, the, the silver lining in all of that. We're still sending kids to school in one of the roughest neighborhoods in, in Haiti. We're still sending kids to school every week. And not only that, we're feeding them, but we can only do that with your help. And you guys know I don't have advertisers on this show. I don't ask you guys for anything. But the price to pay, if you so desire to pay me back, is to go there to helphealhumanity.org. If you can spend five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, and I'm not even kidding, every little bit helps. If there's, you know, 40 or 50 people watching this broadcast and, you know, another couple of hundred listening to it, whatever the numbers might be, if you all go donate five bucks, that helps literally feed those kids because nobody on the board takes any money. Nobody takes a paycheck. We all do it out of the goodness of our heart. And most of these, nonprofit organizations, you know, you find out the CEOs and everybody else live in, you know, $10 million houses with 15 bathrooms while the people that they're supposedly uh, supporting don't have shit. So that this organization isn't like that. So go check out helphealhumanity.org. I would love you if you go there and donate, which I know you will, because I know some of you guys have done this, um, take a screenshot of whatever it is that you donate and allow me to pay you back. So not only do you go get to get the great feeling, a tax deductible donation also, but depending on what you donate, I will take care of you. I'll send you, I'll give you a gift of an hour of my coaching. So it's just a way that we can all help each other grow and prosper and everything else. And there's another way that I can sit there and help you serve. And I want to share this with you real quick because my coach is asking me to do this. So here we go. So ladies and gentlemen, I got the No Excuses Confidence Workshop coming up on September 12th. 
God's honest truth. I normally don't do workshops. I normally don't do group coaching. People want to work with me. It's always one-on-one and it's always for six months. I'm just very simple. That's the way I work. I want to work with people who have skin in the game, who want to actually go through a transformative process. But at the urging of my coach, she says, you need to have different opportunities for people to work with you at different price levels. So I am doing this crazy. I'm just asking for skin in the game. It's 97 bucks. It's 90 minutes. It's going to be on September 12th, Monday night. And this is uh, this is going to be an amazing program. I am pouring the kitchen sink into it so much so that you even get a 20 minute phone call with me after the workshop. So we're going to go through all the different types of things. Um, as far as building your self-confidence, there's a bunch of stuff here on the page, but what you will gain is permanently shift your perspectives and beliefs about your past failures and mistakes. If you shift that man, that's, that's priceless. Learn how to shift your mindset about your worth, both in monetary and relationship value, gain clarity and develop your bigger vision and mission for your life. Discover and work on what to eliminate what you're tolerating and holding you back. That is priceless enough and alone. Uh, work specifically with your largest excuses because I'm the no excuses coach uh, and develop action plans for shifting those patterns, which is something we're going to be talking about here with my guest in just a moment. Increase personal freedom and inner peace, knowing that you are no longer going to be the same person as who started it. Is that a lofty guarantee? Yes, it's 90 minutes, but I'm you guys see me here every single week here on the show. You guys hear me in Clubhouse. I'm very passionate about getting you to eliminate your excuses and I don't do it with the self-help fluffy bullshit. As you know, there's more stuff there to read. You can find out who this is for. But again, it's 97 bucks. There's the date, Monday, September 12th, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then also, if you are so inclined, uh, right underneath that is my group coaching program, which starts the Monday right after that six month group coaching program. Again, throwing in the, the kitchen sink. There's a special right there. I actually continued the special right now because I know that people are financially strapped. Um, it's an amazing opportunity. Normally I charge $10,000 for my six month coaching. This is at a fraction of that cost and you will get me every single uh, week. And it's just, uh, it's literally priceless. And it's something I'm excited about doing. Again, I don't do these very often. I think the last time I did a group coaching program was probably about four years ago. So again, I'm learning to step out of my comfort zone and offer more opportunities to work with me. And I would appreciate if you go check those out because I know that everybody out there can use a little bit more self-confidence and especially in this world of chaos and everything else that's going on. How much better would you feel if you knew that you had more confidence and you could shift your perspective about your past failures and mistakes and realize that they're happening for you and not to you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight, I'm the no excuses coach. He is the provoke coach. I've been on his podcast. We had an amazing fire conversation. The time went like went by like that. And I know it's going to be the same thing tonight. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Clinton Mansfield. What's up, Clinton? How are you doing tonight in Florida? Oh, I'm doing awesome, brother. I'm doing awesome. And I got to just say, man, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And this show I've watched religiously for quite some time now, I think that I've, I've, I've embraced a lot of your content, a lot of your guests, which are some phenomenal guests that have been on your show and your cause. It's awesome. And if I can help in any way, you know, that that's what I'm about with my company as well is, is really giving back, you know, instead of the, the flashy cars and the, in the, in the, in the massive boats and all that kind of exciting stuff, I, like to, I like to give my money away. I like to yeah. give that to, you know, to causes that I know will, will go a little bit further. So I can appreciate that. Thank you so much. No, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm going to record that and I'm going to share that out to 10 million people. No, uh, seriously. No, thank you. We, we, we share a brain and I just appreciate your passion and your authenticity. So I just want to jump in right on the deep, deep end. People ask yeah. me all the time, how did you come up with no excuses coach? And I tell them the story that when I worked with my coach back in 2019 at an extensive uh, period of time, she said, Chris, why are you successful today? And I said, because literally I never stopped. 
And I never gave myself any excuses. When it, when it was a seventh grade homeless dropout and then I went back and got my GED, I didn't give myself the excuse that I'm stupid like everybody told I was. I went back there and did it. And from that point on, I remained unstoppable. And, and now I'm the no excuses coach. Talk to us about how you came from having a, a huge career, successful career in corporate, and now deciding to jump, as Steve Harvey says, into coaching and everything else and, and identifying yourself as the provoke coach, which I love. So talk to us about that story. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, we can go back go back a long way. I mean, I grew up in a, in a, in a farming community, in a farm town in, in Grant, Michigan. I was, you know, a part of the farming community that it was almost every second you were really being provoked, you know, out on the farm, getting up early, consistent and persistent, like the hardworking people in that area. And, and, and at that time, you know, I mean, you're talking about the eighties and the nineties and, and growing up in that era to where, you know, there was still a lot of massive amounts of hard work and dedication and nose to the grindstone type vibe, I guess, in the community. And the one thing that I remember is I remember roosters crowing very early on the farms, you know, and just hearing that throughout acres and acres of farmland, it was consistent and it was provoking you. You, you turned <laughs> And what that meant is that you, that meant that you needed to go to work. That meant that you needed to get up and awake and you needed to get going and you needed to do something. And that was just so provoking to me. And in years had gone by to where, you know, I moved away from the farm and I moved into, you know, bigger cities and got into corporate America. But I was always, you know, people used to say, oh, here comes kind of the banny rooster because <laughs> I have this, this haircut that I've had for, you know, as long as I can, as long as I can remember, you nice. know, most of the time. And I've, I've really, I'm, I'm short, I'm, you know, five, seven on a good day. So you know, if you remember from the childhood cartoons is that Banny rooster coming and just, mm. you know, people fired up and, and, and provoking them in a way to get them to do something kind of like the roosters that wake you up in the morning, you know, what time it is. And right. so I kind of developed this, this, this ego, I suppose, if you will, inside of my head and my coaching style and my sales approaches in my business senses started to really kind of adapt to this character, this provoking character to where, you know, provoking wasn't necessarily a bad thing because a lot of people that I interacted with throughout corporate America and in business, they're like, dude, you're, you kind of get under people's skin in a way, but it's kind of good. It's motivating and inspiring and it gets you to do things that you wouldn't maybe normally do on your own. How do you find that balance in, in doing that? Because when I thought about provoke, I'm like, immediately the com- the connotation was like, okay, provoking, like you want to provoke somebody like that. I got a lot of flack when I originally became the no excuses coach, like, well, that's pretty blatant and, you know, getting in somebody's face. So well, how do you, how do you strike that balance? I think that when you love and you, when you have a sincere passion for people's success, that it doesn't matter how hard I push you. Let's use sales as an example, the velvet hammer. If I build up a great relationship with you for an hour, 
we're talking about everything that we love and hate and laughing and high five and fist bumping. Everything is good. Like we're connected in sales. You can push that person extremely hard, right? For the sale and in most likely win the sale and close the sale in business. Mm-hmm. I think of it really the same way. Influence sales, management, leadership. It's all the same. You're influencing in, 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 in influencing somebody to do something that they wouldn't normally do on their own. Right. But they do it anyways. Right. And you go back to being a coach, you know, the second portion of that is okay. Provoke in your face, get you to do something, but then there's the coaching aspect of it. There's Mm -hmm. the other, other side is that I just don't piss you off. I just don't get you up right from your slumber, from your sleeping (laughs) and get you, But now I coach you throughout the process to be able to become better and be a better version. So I think the love and the desire for somebody else to succeed due to my influence is greater than the fear of me pissing somebody off. Nice, nice. So talk to me. And I and I love that because it is so true. When you serve from love, that's what people see in me. They're like, man, I'm afraid to talk to you, but I know that you're, you're coming from a place of heart and from love. Most people don't work with me until they've seen me on my shows or on my walk and talks. They're like, you know, you're tough, but you're, but you're compassionate and you're loving. And you want to see people really, really win. Talk to us about some mentors in your life. How did, how did Clinton become the man he is today through some of the mentors or some of the key people in your life? Well, I can tell you this is that I think that I had probably more I probably had more negative influences than positive ones. Mm, and I mean, that. That, I, I mean that realistically. And I think that in certain ways, okay. Yeah. I think that, I mean, a couple things, I mean, you know, going, growing up in, in kind of a tough upbringing, challenging parents, getting divorced, separating, remarrying and, and that whole process. Right. And, you know, not to get too deep into that, but you learn a lot about, what you don't want in your own life to where you kind of shape and you design how you want to be able to turn out. Now you're not always correct. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, look, there was times in my early twenties and even my late twenties and early thirties where I was like, wait a minute, I thought this is what I wanted. I thought Mm -hmm. this is what we're supposed to have. So you paint these pictures. And I think, you know, if you're going on to mentorship, I think probably, The biggest mentor that I've ever had um, was probably my grandfather. You know, he raised me and taught me a lot of things about uh, being a man and and doing certain things in in life, but as an intellectual, not as this alpha male, right? So so massively different than, than my own father that raised me. You know, he's definitely alpha male. Um, which look, everything has its, you know, it's super positives and everything has its super negatives. But I think mentorship for me, it's been educating myself a great deal. I think that in my mid twenties, I really fell in love with leadership and management and business and sales. And that forced me to really educate myself in the realm of business. So you know, I was getting the old cassette tapes, you know, back yeah. when it was cassette tapes, you know, and and then getting into clearly CDs and then, you know, audio books and, you know, the rest is history. But growing from a lot of these people, I just absorbed their good information. And 
you know, look, don't get me wrong. My upbringing, my parents taught me a ton. You know, they they really did help me. We're just we live different lives at 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 the same ages throughout. You know, I was definitely more geared towards business and and growing. Now, I mean, look, we grew up poor on welfare, welfare, mm-hmm. cheese and all paying yeah. with food stamps like my parents really struggled for a very long time, you know, but I learned such a hardcore lesson and I love them to death for this because they worked their balls off for all of us kids so hard that we all became like, like ultra versions, right? Like all my brothers and sisters are all really awesome. Cool. You know, I mean, look, we're all fucked up in one way. (laughs) Are we? Yeah. But they, but everybody turned out. Okay. You you understand? So, so they did such a good job, right. That we all, we're ultra, you know, successful, just different. You know, I'm definitely the black sheep, of the family. I'm definitely the one that does different types of things, you know, such as podcasts and books and, you know, and, and doing this to get the word out, you know, yeah. and that's, that's really, you know, kind of, kind of, that's for me though, you mm-hmm. know, that's me being a little selfish. Yeah. You got, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be who you are. And I, I re- totally yeah. resonate with that as well. I was just, I'm going back through my book. I've got 146,000 words for this book. I'm going to call it down, but I was just literally going back through and rewriting the chapter of, of, the, of my origins and the fact we were on welfare and the fact, you know, those early days, welfare and food stamps and watching my mom at an early age. I remember her going through the envelope being at the cashier register and like the, the look of shame and guilt because wow. now they have like debit cards, I guess. So nobody would know if you're on welfare. Yeah, or something. Know, yeah. But I remember like she was playing with that monopoly money and stuff like that. And she would, she would feel, you know, that sense of embarrassment. Then again, when we were homeless, we were on welfare again, and then the cheese, the, the church cheese and stuff like that. There's a lot of humility in those experiences, but us as kids, we can choose to look at that and be a victim of those circumstances. Like so many are, or like you and myself, we can sit there and say, okay, listen, I'm not sure exactly who my mentor is, but I know I don't want to be like this person. Like when I, 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 my sister's seven years older than me, we have different dads and we became disconnected when she was 16. And I found her again in, in 2005. And it was amazing. I went through the whole process of being homeless. With my mom, you know, she hated my mom with a crazy thing. She turned out exactly like my mom, which was co- totally just bizarre. But she said, you know, baby brother, how did you not turn out like mom? And I said, I fucking chose not to. I said, I looked at everything she was doing and said, I'm going to do the exact opposite. She hated people. I'm like, how can I love people? How can I look at autobiographies of successful people, leadership, like to your point, and just like really dedicate myself to to intensely learning those success strategies of people who, you know, are happy and and, and living their their true life. Um, Talk to me about a time in your life. You were talking about some, you know, times in your 20s and stuff like that. Talk to me about a low point in your life and how you how you chose to shift that belief system of what it is that you're going through to become the man you are today. Yeah, man, I tell you, there's been a lot of provoking moments and, you know, you're talking about writing, you know, our books and, you know, you try to, you know, I mean, you know this because you're trying to trim your own book down. I think I really have about three different books in the book that I'm writing right now. And I had to trim it. Well, I had to trim it down because it's like people aren't going to read like the book like this thing. (laughs) (laughs) The encyclopedia (laughs) of Clinton. In my story, right? But I think you know, to answer your question, there was a low point in my life to where I had, I had gotten into partying a lot. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking sex, drugs and alcohol. And I mean, everything in between. And I tell you, it was, it was a low point for me because I was in college. 
I had ran out of money. I had gone in on scholarships, but I would working as a bartender. I got like two nights before having just a blast behind the bar, making more money than ever. And I had gotten popped for serving to a minor. Oops. And it just crushed me because I was like, oh my God, like this is how I've been paying for school. Like I didn't study very much, no doubt. And my GPA sucked, but I could tell you this, like I was going and I needed to pay for it. And it was a low point for me because that night was the first night and I had done, you know, drugs like ecstasy before and ate a bunch of mushrooms and smoked Mm -hmm. a bunch of weed, you know, all that kind of stuff, but never really got into Coke. And a guy had talked me into, you know, you lost your job bartending tonight. Like, you know, let's get you some blow. Let's have a good time. And I had never done it. Well, my personality, I'm jacked up anyways. Like you, right. you don't need to give me even a cup of coffee, you know, Same and I'm, you know, and I'm there. Right. And yep. I'll tell you, and a couple eight balls later, wound up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I leave this pretty much like a drug house, like where, where, where I knew shit was going down and I'm walking. And this is the morning after this, 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 this party this good time and i'm walking down the street and i see like this black suv with like tinted windows like just creeping behind me just creeping behind me all the way back to the fraternity house and i just watched them i went into the fraternity house and went up and watched them from the window and they were just sitting there and i was just like what am I doing right now? And of course I'm, I'm zapped out of my mind, you know, trying to drink bush lights and, 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 and put myself to sleep. And I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? You know? And of course, after, you know, probably sleeping for 17, 18 hours, of course they were gone, but I woke up that next day. And I, I remember calling my brother and being like, look, dude, I gotta, I gotta have you come with your truck and I gotta get my shit and I gotta get out of here. You know, so that was a low point in my life to where I didn't really know everybody else was graduating college. They were they were finishing. They were doing it. And and, and here I am. I just lost my bartending job. I, I have to pay for my last semester of school like I was on a payment program. I got nothing now. What the hell am I going to do now? You know, so didn't met bottom. Well, that was, you know, look, that was a, a bottom point. I, yeah. I mean, it really was. It was, but what it, what it was is it was a provoking moment. It was a decision that I had to suck it up, put my ego aside, and say, "Fuck, dude, you need to get out of the environment that you're in right now because it's not a good environment." Yeah. Went back, stayed with my grandparents, got my shit cleaned up. I called it rehab because my grandparents just, you know, they don't have anything in their house. You know, definitely. <laughs> drugs, you know, not a lot of alcohol, you know, and I'm just like, fuck, I, you know, I got to do nothing but just work and study, you know, yeah. and just do my thing. And then from there on, then I was able to, you know, get down to South Florida. And then I started my career, you know, in the fitness industry and, and got myself into corporate America, you know, and I mean, then that was, you know, I had kind of found my obsession again. And that yeah. was kind of helping, helping people and connecting my education with my passions and, and, and really drove it to the next level. But it was a low point to where I needed to get my head out of my ass. And, 
you know, mm. I can't tell you that I haven't had other low points since then. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, there's always something that pops up, but that was probably the lowest to where I was in fear yeah. of, of, of the, the direction that I was going, because I've always been just the type that if you go partying with me, we're, <laughs> we're partying like, and you know, that's your seatbelt, baby. Yeah. Like in, but we're doing crazy shit. You know, I mean, I think three, four nights before that we were car surfing, you know, on oh, vehicles, who went surfing? car surfing, right? Oh, oh, like standing on the roof while you're driving. Yeah. You'd get on the roof and oh, you'd, you well, what you'd do is you'd uh, put these straps on your ankles in, in the roof cage, right. Or like where you would put your luggage or whatever, and you'd strap yeah. in. And then they would just go down the road and you would go over hills at 75, 80 miles an hour. No way. Oh, yeah. We were doing all sorts oh, of Dude, yeah, that's, well, that's way crazier than me. A part of it was adrenaline, right? Like mm -hmm. I was, you know, I have, I mean, I still have an addictive personality. Like I, I just do. I just chose now to choose healthy things to right. be addicted to, right? But mm -hmm. I think that I've just always been about that like skydiving bungee jumping like i've done it numerous and massive amounts of time to where it was like nothing you know but you have some drinks you get careless you're doing mm. other stupid shit like i'm surprised to be alive um <laughs> very blessed um nice. but but again you go down that road and that's you know i go back and and like you said things happen for you instead of to you I really think that I had to go through that in my life mm -hmm. because I grew up watching alcohol abuse, watching drug abuse and telling myself that I would never do it. And I didn't do it out of, you know, depression or anxiety. I did it because I wanted to get fucked up like everybody else and have a good time. Like right. I was celebrating, right? Well, it, it, it got a hold of me, you know, mm -hmm. and it was just such a scary road to go down that, you know, it was, it was, it was death defying. Um, <laughs> it, it, it woke you up. And the thing you're talking really about here, the, the thing I love that you're talking about here is, um, you know, you were in this pattern, you were in the cycle. And that's the thing that we both coach on is breaking that cycle of insanity. We get in that vicious cycle. We start losing our confidence. We start going to our short-term gratifications to run away from our problems that exacerbates yeah. things. Then all of a sudden we wind up hitting bottom and we get to that point where we're like, okay, am I really going to change? Or am I just going to change to impress people to get out of jail, to do these things? Talk to yeah. us about how we can break patterns. There's a lot of people that are watching this and listening to this who might be stuck in an overeating pattern, a gambling pattern, a shopping pattern, yeah. sex, whatever pattern, whatever whatever addiction it might be, how can we start to break those patterns and before we hit bottom? Well, and I think that one of the things that helped me out a great deal is that instead of trying to fix the problem, okay, try to make the solution an easier solution. And what that means is try to become a better version of yourself so you can overcome these certain things. Because if you have an addictive personality or if you have something that you're being you're really being sucked in by, whether that is your eating habits or pornography or Facebook, I mean, or Instagram, you know, like there's could be many things. You know, I think the biggest thing is, is that you have to be able to control, right, what is coming into the system. You know, mm -hmm. the first thing that I teach people is consumption. 
you know, if you're not happy with the body that you have, or if we need to change your body in a way that is, you know, you're, you're healthier, number one, you want to be in better shape, you want to lose weight, if you want to, your mental health, you want to lower your anxiety, depression, you know, uh, nervous tendencies and going back to your vices and you want to change these nurse, narcissistic habits. I mean, there could be a number of different things that you would want to do. You have to become a better version of yourself. So you have yeah. to look at, at things like science, you know, and science tells us, right? Like if you were to look at your mental state, we know that your mental state it is is entirely linked with your body, right? So the chemistry is connected. Stronger body, stronger mind, and vice versa. They yeah. go hand in hand. But you need to train both on a regular basis, okay? But we know that things like meditation, things like breathing exercises, things like writing things down, things like reading. How about enhancing your brain like you do your body? How yes. much? Do you, how much do you read every day? What type of reading is it? Are you learning new vocabulary on a weekly basis? You remember, go back to when we were 10, 11, 12 years old. There's a reason why you had vocabulary tests every Friday, because they want you to increase your vocabulary, right, that you're doing. And like as adults, we still need that because yes. we lose what we don't use. Amen. And it's extremely important. So. So once you get your daily habits dialed in, okay, because that comes from consumption, right? How you consume things creates thoughts. Thoughts create feelings. Feelings create actions. Actions create habits. You Dude, do you're reading my brain right now. I could show you a graph that I show my coaching clients. Almost the same exact thing. Dude, <laughs> I, got, I got the graph right here. Um, I have one as well. I kid you not. Like this is, you know, we teach this because, you know, I'll show you right here. Right? Consumption, oh, dude. thoughts, feelings, actions, habits, results. Right? People don't understand that this is not, uh, um, this isn't like a magic trick. <laughs> this is not right. poof. You know, it, it is a series of steps that take place, whether it's in the human body or whether, you know, oh, that's yeah, exactly this, this is name, all, beliefs, attitudes, feelings, actions, vicious cycle. Well, look, we, you know, you can that tell crazy? that we we're, you know, cut from the same cloth. You can tell that we understand how the game works. And this game isn't new. There's guys that are smarter than you and I that have probably come up with even deeper levels of this oh, than yeah. we can even possibly fathom. But what I do know Maslow is, <laughs> is that, right. What I do know is it works. It works both negatively and positively. Yes. So if you eat like shit all the time, guess what? Guess what you turn into, you know, mm. you don't drink water. We were talking about drinking water, right? It, you know, you start to get dehydrated. What starts to happen to your body? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's exactly. certain things, but, but people, in my opinion, it's easier to want to look good. Okay. Instead of be good. Yes. Mm. And Ego. so many people, they need to reach out for help. Like they need to say, Hey, I want to lose 15 pounds. They, they want to say, hey, look, I need to get rid of some, some of this anxiety. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I need to, I need to get my head right. I need to get my head wrapped around this depression that I'm dealing with because everybody deals with it. Not everybody talks about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody deals with it. Yes. You know? I, I love this conversation. When I think about, you know, one of the questions I love asking my guests is, and especially since you're a coach, is what are some of the common excuses that either that you can either go two ways with this, you know, some of your common excuses and how you override them or some of the common excuses that your coach, your clients give you and what ways you get them to shift their perspectives? Yeah, I would say probably the number one thing that I get on my lifestyle coaching clients is time. I don't have enough time. They say, I do not have enough time to do what you're asking me to do. And we always come back with the same thing. It's like, okay, what are we talking? Per week, per day, per week. Okay, there's 168 hours in a week. Let's look at how many hours a week you're working. How many are you supposed to be sleeping? Right. And we start really breaking things down and we come up with all sorts of extra time. Yes. And what we find out is that you really do have time. You're just not making it a priority. The average person, right? Ooh. The average person, get this. They've done calculated studies now. I think it's three hours a day minimum of screen time on your phone. Wow. Three fucking hours a day on your phone. And you're telling me, like, if you if you spent that time, took that same amount of time, mm-hmm. and you spent that on your body and on your brain. Yes, ma'am. Or on your business, for God's sakes. Like, you, you don't have any money? Hmm. Three hours a day. And you can make money off of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can make money off of your phone. So... <laughs> Wow. My, my daughter says, dad, how much do babysitters make? You know, what do you think? You know, $300, $400 a week. I'm like, at 12 years old, everybody's like, are you crazy? We did the math, you know, I mean, it's going to not be very much. Well, that's what I want to do. I was like, instead of start your own business, sell your own hoodies and have Mm -hmm. that thing going on at night. And then she's like, wait a minute. (laughs) Residual income. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I hope that answered your question. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think that that's the biggest thing that I see as far as an excuse. I think for my business clients, follow through is their biggest problem with business clients. They want it to just happen. Do you have an example you can share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So oh. I was dealing with a gentleman today, went through and didn't do much as far as outreach with his company you know, marketing wise, nothing like that. So let's get into some paid ads. Not a problem. Finally, we got this video set up. I went through all the scripting copy, helped him out a great deal. He totally got out of his comfort zone, did a video like you and I do videos all day. So for us, it's like nothing for this guy. I was shaking. We took him five times to do it. It was unreal, Mm -hmm. right? Very nerve wracking. So he gets it done. Boom. We send it out. Good copy. The whole nine yards. And he's like, let's go. And he's like refreshing this. I said, let's move on, brother. We got shit to do. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, I'm not going to sit here. We're not going to wait. See what this starts pulling in and all that. And I was like, yeah, see, business doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You don't do things right now and expect a result right now. That's not mm-hmm. how it works. Plant the seed. Now we move on. Now we move to the next task. Let's go. Like, don't sit here and 
like wait for something to happen. So follow through. You know, I think a lot of business owners, they put something out and they try to create something and they expect, hey, that was a good ad. That was good copy. That was good this. That was good that. I put it out. Let's see how it works. Mm -hmm. Business takes time. I think they said now it takes you 13 times of getting in front of a customer online to make a decision. Wow. And that that doesn't even mean making a purchase. Right. That means they need to see Christopher's fucking video, right? About his group training session 13 times before they'll make a decision to at least even opt in or to ask you a question. Wow. 13 times. That's ridiculous. What was it? What was it before? It was like eight no's to get to a yes. That was like yeah. the old, the old way. That would, but that was golly, man. This is back in 2017, was the last time that I heard that stat. Wow. So, what's the difference? Much, what, what do you think that, what do you attribute the difference in the fact that it's taken? I mean, people just more confused. They just don't know what they want or yeah, there's so much shit out there. Well, number one, there's just so much at our fingertips as far as information. Yeah. And the, and the, and remember the algorithms are created and designed to follow all of your patterns and everything that you're doing. So, you know, you you get excited because you got this cool new thing coming out well unless you go and prime your social media before you post something nobody mm-hmm. will see it so I'll give you an example and i was doing this this is how i know and i hired a market a marketing coach to break this shit down to me because it just was not making sense i was just like what well, i might be <laughs> i may be an idiot but i just gotta figure this out and i was just posting, like dumping and going on to my, whatever I needed to do throughout my day, right? Just posting and go, oh no, don't do that. The system won't even recognize that you're a player in the game. So I got to go and I really got to proactively go like the stuff that I like, go do the things that I do, you know, Mm -hmm. on social media anyways, but I got to go out with intention, you know, or nothing will be seen, you know, just, you know, tidbits. So business owners need to recognize and understand what the game is now. And the difference is, is that there's so much shit out there. And like in our world, like everybody's a coach now. (laughs) I know, it's crazy. I mean, you've been a coach for a long time. I mean, I've been, you know, a semi-coach, but only since 2018. So I'm fairly new to the game. And I'm even just like, Jesus, you know, you picked a hell of a time to, you know, get into (laughs) coaching. Like everybody else is doing it. So you see and you hear mm-hmm. a lot of different directions to go. It's like the fitness industry. You know, there's always something new that comes out that's supposed to work better than the other thing. Well, it's the same essentially in coaching. But mm-hmm. if you stay near to the path, like what I like about what I follow with you on all the other social media things is that you are very, very consistent. You you. are very consistent with your message and you show up, you know, there's so many people that don't show up. They don't even play the game. Like how the (laughs) hell do you want your shit to get out unless you do something, you know, but isn't that the same in every part of our lives? If you want results, you need to work. You need to do something. Mm -hmm. You can't sit there and expect it to happen. It's, it's so true. It's so true. And what what you what you're talking about, Clinton, is so priceless right now. So I hope everybody watching this and listening to this is taking down notes because this is this is invaluable information to be able to move yourself uh, further along in your journey. 
but I find that so many people are stuck in their comfort zones. What are some uh, some tips that you would give to people who are afraid? They're afraid of the judgment. They're afraid of the failure. They're afraid of making more quote unquote mistakes. I've got plenty of thoughts on that, but what are your thoughts on getting people to sit there and recognize that the time is now? There's never going to be a perfect yeah. day. There's not a someday on the calendar because I hear so many people, oh, someday when this and someday when this, I'm like, bullshit, there's no fucking someday. Show me someday. Yeah. There is no time is today to, to take those, those imperfect actions. How do we get people out of their comfort zone, man? I'll tell you. One of the things that really, really helped me, and this is going to kind of sound, you know, maybe dark for people to hear, but with a snap of the finger, you could be gone tomorrow. 100%. Done. Toast. You don't get another fucking chance. The biggest misconception that people have, and, you know, it's so funny that this is a double-edged sword because the question you asked me before what excuses do people give me? They say that they don't have time. But yet, the biggest misconception that people have is that they do. Have yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. I'm going to live forever. They think they got a year to get themselves turned around. They think they got plenty of time. Oh, next Monday, I'll get on it. Or mm. I'll start it next month. Well, here, it's the 31st of August. Okay, guess what we're going to hear now? Well, it's the first of the month. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start today. Yeah. The biggest misconception that people have is that they think tomorrow is granted to them. Mm -hmm. This haunts me. I am scared to death of dying today and not being able to do the things that I want to do. That's why I work so fucking hard and so fast. People are like, fucking, come on, man. You're biting <laughs> off before you can chew. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Because it's a race. If yeah. you were told that you have 30 days to live, what would you do? How would you act? Mm -hmm. What would you get accomplished in the next 30 days? I guarantee there would be a lot of people that would get their head out of their ass and get moving to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. That book would get written. Everybody says, I want to write a book one day. I'm going to leave a legacy. And then you're like, oh, when are you going to write that thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and it starts with page one. Yep. You know, I thought about this a while back. You know, I had read a book uh, on regret. And this gentleman went through and he really interviewed all these, these people that were on their deathbeds. and Oh, the five regrets of the dying, the hospice nurse. That one? Or I'm reading right. Daniel yep. Pink right now. Uh, Actually, it's right here. Um, I, have a, I have a book club. We're actually reading this one right now. The Power of Regret. Nice. Don't get it. Yeah. Don't get it. Yeah. It's, it sucks. But no, The Five Regrets yeah. of the Dying, I have that one too. I used to give that out to my uh, coaching clients. And, and, and you know, you know, this guy was going through and, and interviewing these people, old, on their deathbed, um, you know, massive, you know, trouble. You know, I mean, they were just, you know, it was their last conversation. And... Yeah. He didn't come back with, I wish I would have made more money, mm -hmm. you know, or I wish I would have worked more in business. It was more about, I wish I would have taken a chance on myself. I wish I would have mm -hmm. started that business. I wish I would have written that book. I wish I would have started that podcast. I really wish I would have done this or I would have loved my, my kids more and spent more time with them. Like nice. that gets me, that shit gets me choked up. Yeah. To where I'm like, holy shit, my daughter's 12 now. It's flown by so quick. You were talking about your five-year-old son. Like, mm -hmm. 
like, hello, wake up. And he's going to be in middle school. Boom. You snap your fingers again. He's in high school. He's a, he's a man now, you know, and it's like, whoa, things change so quick. So if I could give anybody advice out there, it's like, write your eulogy. Oh, what are you fucking reading my mind again? You really follow my content. (laughs) Right. Write your eulogy. And, and look, when you put pen to paper like that, I got a wake up call and you don't, don't you dare fabricate. Don't mm-hmm. you dare. And, it, and if it's a wish list of he did this and he did that and you didn't do any of that shit, then what the fuck are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, the pen or the pencil or whatever you're writing with, it's in your hand. Like you're the author. And that, that, that gets me fired up that people really think like, I'll get to it. It's like, it's wow. so true. It's so it's true. Smart. I mean, we, we should, we share our brain. Cause literally back, there's two points I want to, I want to, I want to reflect on back in 2008, I was sitting at a, at a funeral for one of my coworkers and I was sitting in the back of the church and I thought it just, just came to me. I'm like, and I was watching all these beautiful, you know, um, people were, uh, memorializing her and I didn't realize how deep of an impact she had in the world. And I thought, it just, this pop, thought popped in my head, Chris, if you died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And much to your, much to what you were saying, I figured 10 or 15 people would show up with cases of Miller genuine draft and bottles of Jack Daniels and Bon Jovi and Motley Crue records. And they would sit around and go, remember that time that Chris did this? Remember that time that Chris did that fucking stupid thing? Remember all the girls he chased? Remember this? Remember this? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was a homeless uh, dropout that went back, got his master's degree and, 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 and became a coach. Yep. And I seriously, Clint, I was driving home and this is 2008, swear to God. And I was like, what, what, why is this having such a deep impact on me? And I went home and pen, pen to paper, I wrote my eulogy and the crux of it still stands to this day. And it says, Christopher Roush will have fought for what was right. And what was fair. He risked forts that mattered and he left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And from that point on, I started my company master motivators. And I was like, okay, if I wake up every day and I achieve that a portion of that, that legacy, then sure as shit, there's going to be tons, lots more people. They're going to be impacted. There's going to be different things said in my funeral. And it's always been a guiding light from that point forward when I'm having a bad moment is I question myself. I'm always my best, my own best coaching client. And I sit there and say, Chris, are you living your purpose right now? Are you living a pity party? And I always believe that if something shitty happens, you get a one day pity party. You can fucking do whatever you want. But then the next day you wake up and say, okay, back on mission, back on purpose. What is it that I'm intending to do out there? And, you know, so that is, that is powerful. That's one thing I do with my coaching clients. The other thing that you said, you talked about for me is I get, I get people telling me that they, they're one of their biggest excuses. I don't have money. I mean, time is one of them. Um, but, and there's, there's a thing I have for that, but I just did this with somebody the other day. They wanted to work with me. And I told him, I said, it's $10,000 to work with me for six months. I have no problem saying it. And, and he says, well, fuck, if I had $10,000, half of my problems would go away. And I said, what if I told you, and I was doing it over zoom. So what if I told you, you need to go out and earn, create, find $10,000. It can't be illegal, immoral, or unethical. And he's like, well, if I could do that, then I would work with you. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go dark for a second. I'm going to go, because you were talking about going dark. I go dark. And I'm like, you know, who's the person you love the most in your life? This is my daughter. And I said, how old your daughter? Four. I said, what's her name? Emily. And I said, how on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love Emily? Uh, 10. What are you kidding me? I said, okay, you walk in your door tomorrow after work and you walk in and Emily is tied up to a chair and there's a person with a gun pointed at her head. And that person says, dude, I'm not gonna say his name. Um, you have seven days to go get $10,000. It can't be illegal and moral and ethical. I said, are you going to do it? Yes or no. I don't want any other answer, but yes or no. And he goes, yes. And I said, what is the difference between what I just asked you before? And right now I said, there's different leverage in the game. And I said, so, you know, if you go out there and do that, what would you do? 
He goes, I'd sell my TV. I'd borrow money. I'd put it on my credit card. I would ask my parents. I would go stand on the fucking street corner with a sign saying, hey, my daughter's going to, you would get resourceful. So right. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's all about being resourceful. If you don't have enough time, exactly. look at the things you're not, things you're tolerating and sit there and say, if I, if I extinguish a third of these, that's just what we're going to talk about in the workshop. If I extinguish a third of these tolerations that I don't need to be doing that I'm doing because I think I have to do them. Um, just imagine how much more time and opportunity you would have to do oh, yeah. that. I have another question for you. Cause uh, yeah. we're getting, we're, I knew we were going to be vibing. You've talked yeah. about your daughter so many times, a yeah. uh, beautiful 12 year old girl. What are some of the lessons that you have learned about yourself? How have you grown as a result of being a dad? Oh my God. Uh, wow. I think that, you know, we were talking about provoking moments in your life that, that really steer you in a different direction. You know, here, my wife and I, we were, you know, madly in love and, and practicing having kids all the time. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but we were coming to the point to where we weren't able to have my daughter, something was happening. And we were, you know, almost at the verge where it's like, all right, we need to go figure out kind of what's wrong. You know, we were a little bit, a little bit older. Um, we were, you know, getting into our early thirties, you know, all of our friends and family, you know, they were all having kids and, you know, the O nine yards, we were kind of feeling a little bit left out, but, you know, kind of determined. And I think that I had gotten a big promotion, uh, earlier and, um, earlier in that year. And we had moved to the other side of Florida and then, you know, sure enough, boom, we get, we get pregnant, you know, nothing changed until my daughter was born, you know, sure. You know, the novelty of my wife being pregnant, oh my God, we did it. So we were on high heaven, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to go on. And what was really taking place is that it was building up, uh, really inside of me and my family that, that something, massive was going to change. Right. And my daughter, you know, at a young age, I think she was 18 months, you know, I had come home, you know, I had come home from work and had kind of a falling out with, you know, my executive at the time and whatnot. And I was just in a pissy mood and I walked in and my, my wife just was like handing me my daughter. And she's like, look, you know, I just need, you know, I need to take a shower. I need to, you know, just relax something, you know, and I kind of got snippy. I was a dick, you know, I was kind of like, well, you know, Hey, look here, I worked all day and all week. I was like, let me just have a beer and relax for a second. And, you know, I'll get to it. Mm -hmm. you know, my wife was like, of course, pissed, you know, so <laughs> I was like, Oh God, what did I say? What did I do? But it made me realize something that, you know, I was a good father. Of course I played with my kid, but she was 18 months, you know, what, what could I have really done different? But I really started to straighten up. You know, my my wife told me, she's like, look, you know, you, you know, you're super VP when you walk out this door, you're Mr. Executive and all that kind of stuff. I need you to be super dad when you walk through these doors. Amen. And, you know, and we had one of those, you know, heartfelt conversations, but she was right. She was 100% right. I wasn't, I wasn't not only splitting my time accordingly, but I wasn't being my natural self, which is a superstar, whatever I do, when I walk through the doors, I was, it was different. So once I changed that, it was fantastic because then I, I mean, I was lit on fire. Um, yeah. And then I was unstoppable. You know why? Because I could come in and be a superstar at home as well. Dad, 
and really have that connection because, you know, I didn't always have the best parents growing up. They weren't always, they weren't there, you mm -hmm. know, it'd be that way. It wasn't that, you know, it was horrible or bad. They were just both working, you know, super full time and, and working on themselves a great deal growing up. And I knew that I didn't want to be that reflection for my daughter. And mm -hmm. so it changed. I mean, I had more to fight for, but it made me deadly in business. Um, and it made me conquer some demons inside of me personally that came up as reflections. Like when you have kids, you mm -hmm. start to reflect your own childhood because you're either trying to avoid something or you're trying to magnify something that was great. So you're trying to do that and play that little game. You don't know it sometimes, but you're doing it. And yeah. then and then you have your significant other, your wife or your husband or whomever. They're doing the same thing. So that kid now has a version of both you and your significant other, your wife, husband or whatever, where you guys are connected. You know, and that's what my wife and I had. We came from different upbringings, totally different. So we yeah. were trying to, we were trying to give her the best of both. And at one time she was doing a majority of the work and I was just out being the breadwinner, doing what I thought was the man thing to do. Right. Not correct. I could do both. And I did, you know, so it really changed, you know, when I had my daughter big time still does. Yes. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Clinton, man, we've already been going for 53 minutes, man, where I could talk to you forever. We'll definitely have to yeah. be on each other's shows and just continue these conversations. Where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation with you, man? I mean, I'm all over social media, um, either under myself or provoke coach is where most people can find that my activity is most. Right. So that's, you know, Instagram, um, you know, TikTok. I'm starting to get into TikTok more. Yeah. I mean, YouTube. Of course, I have my podcast as well, the Provoke Coach podcast, um, where you share awesome people like yourself. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, provokecoach.com. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's a website. That's where, you know, all the magic happens per se, and people can go check things out. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for being here on the Ron yeah. Show. Thank you for sharing your brilliance and being vulnerable and giving such kick-ass advice. I mean, seriously, if people watching this, listening to this, don't take a couple of tidbits from what we said today, then there's just no hope. <laughs> I mean, because we, we spit fire today. I mean, there were so many different opportunities for them to shift their, their perspectives and their beliefs. I can't thank yeah. you enough. I'm going to stick you backstage for a second. Don't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. The show, and then uh, we'll chit chat for a second. Awesome. Thank you, brother. So there we are, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is what we can do. We can take this conversation and you can go, wow, that was really inspiring. And I feel so great about it. And then go on about whatever it is that you're going to do next. Or you can be super intentional. You can get out. If you didn't already have it, you can have pen. I always have pen and paper. I have literally, you guys can see it right here, real time. I have four different pens. I like to write with different pens for different reasons. You can sit there and you can say, hey, what am I willing to choose to start changing today? Not tomorrow, not next week. What can I start to change today? What can I, what one action can I take from this conversation right now? Oh, you know what? I can take 15 minutes and jot down some ideas of what I want to be remembered for, for my eulogy. Oh my God, Chris, that's so scary. I don't want to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, you're going to die anyway. No, I'm not hiding anything. We're all going to die. So when you have that blueprint of where it is that you ultimately want to end up, guess what you can do? You can start working backwards from that. Every single day when you get up, what's one action that I can day? What, what's one action I can take today to move the needle on fulfilling that legacy? For me personally, no matter what I do, 
If this is the last thing I do and I drop dead for whatever reason, my son can go to this show and go, was dad on point? Did he fulfill this legacy? Because I've talked to him about this. My legacy is this, that, and the other thing. My, my legacy is to make this world a better place. My legacy is to be the bridge for all the bullshit that's going on in the world, the divisiveness and the finger point and the Republicans and the Democrats, the vaxxers and non-vaxxers, all that shit. Was dad on point? Yes or no? 100%. Then he can know, he can trust in everything that I said and that I say in all my shows and all my clubhouses and all my YouTube videos and all everything else. He can go, wow, dad was not bullshitting me. Dad was successful and happy. And that's because I have that blueprint. Before I was lost, I was sitting there just surviving and thriving in my ego and everything else. Oh, if I make more money and buy more shit, I'll be happier. It happens for a second. It happens for a second. But guess what makes you really fulfilled is knowing that you have a purpose and you have a passion to share your gifts and to take the things that have happened in your past and not see them as a part of being a victim, but to turn those around and see them as being a victor. And that's what we're going to talk about in this workshop. It's 90 minutes. It's crazy. We're going to jam pack and make sure that you walk out of there with shifted perspectives about your beliefs and about the things you're tolerating to ultimately have that self-confidence. But it starts with you. It starts right now. It starts with the language that you're using in your brain. It starts with all your actions. It starts with the relationships that you have. Take this, take this little nugget for yourself. Take that piece of paper out and write down the five people you're around the most and write down to them positive or negative. Do you immediately associate positive things with them? Do they support you? Do they tell you to go after your dreams? Do they tell you to go jump and, and take risks and leave your job and go follow your passion? Or do they say, oh no, you shouldn't do that. That's stupid. You shouldn't call yourself the no excuses coach. You shouldn't wear a hat and a bandana on backwards. You should wear a suit and tie and go out there and speak like everybody else does and hold your fucking hands like this. No, those people you do not need as your top five people because like um, Stephen Covey says in the, in the book of seven habits of highly effective people, you're like the five people that you're around the most. And if you are the smartest person in the room with those five people, you need to get different people. I know that happened for me in 2013. I was scared to death to spend $5,000 on this mastermind. I said, I couldn't afford it. I said, I need to pay my bills and do all this other shit. But something told me like, Chris, if you can't spend $5,000 on this and make $5,001 back following your passion, you should give up your passion. And I wrote the check and I never looked back because once I surrounded myself with brighter people that said, Hey, Chris, yeah, go out and take a chance. You should do that. You know, everybody else is doing these things. You should do go against the grain. That's who you are. Don't hide who you are. Go after those things. Then I started getting coaches and mentors and, and investing more in programs and everything else. And I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. I don't work a corporate job anymore. I was super successful. I had six figures. I had a corner office with a window. I had a beautiful team. I had every other Friday off. I had six weeks of vacation. I was comfortably miserable egoically and on paper, I looked fucking successful all day long, but I would come home and I'd be like, when am I going to do this? When am I going to do this? And I had to start shifting my language and saying, you know what, Chris, it may not be easy, but it's definitely going to be fucking worth it. So one last thing, go to noexcusescoach.com because you guys have been asking for these. The bracelets are in. I've been shipping orders out every single week. So one side says believe because you got to believe. The other side says no excuses and the accoutrement is no excuses and unstoppable. I wear them on my wrist every single fucking day. People ask me about them. Go to noexcusescoach.com. Buy some, put them on your wrist. Remind yourself that you are truly unstoppable because you just got to get out of your own way. I love you guys. We'll be back here next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And again, if you're watching this on the video cast live or on the replay, thank you. But go check out the podcast. You get it anywhere podcast sold. You can literally just go on Google. And there's a new thing that I've had people do. Just go Google hashtag no excuses coach. You'll find I found videos and interviews of me that I forgot I even had. But you have to if you go to no excuses you'll find all my social media. You'll find what's going on. I love you guys. Go out there and be unstoppable. Appreciate